0: The process is where you grow. The process is where you make friends. The process is where you make art. And I often think, you know, you can go hunting for all of that external stuff, the, all, the validation, but actually for me, the validation comes from the process and the making. And as if I ever feel down or if I ever feel like I'm not heading in the right place, it's usually because I haven't made something that I believe in for
1: that little bit too long. Now then, and welcome to the podcast. In this conversation, we speak to Greg Hackett, founder and director of UK production company Spindle. Uh, He kindly let us come over to his office in Shoreditch, where we discussed his obsession with storytelling, why it's important for directors to be vulnerable, and the internal battles of running your own production company. Hope you enjoy.
2: Now then, Greg. (laughs) The mystery of Greg Hackett.
0: (laughs) I just worked with a sound designer that in the first line of the email said, Greg Hackett, comma, the myth. How are you?
1: <laughs> it's like, so it's not just us then who see it. What does that mean, please? <laughs> it's not just us. Um, I mean, we usually just go straight into it, don't we? I feel like you say that every time. Yeah. I do say it. that every Let's get straight into it. And we were like, where does it all start for Greg Hackett?
2: Hmm.
1: Not kind of like where your interest in film kind of came, hmm. but where did the start of your like journey as a, as a director i guess so i
0: i was in a punk band when i left school i just never wanted a day job That's for some reason i was born with that in me i don't want a day job don't want to work for the man at the same time i was working at a chinese restaurant when i was 14 washing dishes um and playing in this punk band and we Lived it. I mean, like really, really lived it. We're playing to hundreds of people a night and touring around and selling CDs out the back of the van, and it was my life. And you go on this journey with that. That when it works, it goes right, and you're making records and doing. And when it doesn't work, it kind of pit- pitters out a little bit and. For us, it kind of turned into something that I didn't love anymore at all. So kind of 16 to 20, I was, was loving life, just playing in this punk band, working in a shop on the weekends. Just, were, you this, were you the singer? I was a singer, yeah. Sick. Singer, guitarist. Um, Tim, who is also... Sing as a song.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you definitely don't want that. It's highly regretful now. Um, but, it, but I guess it, it was always us against the world, we we're in a van, we had our own transit van, we we're touring up and down the country, going into Europe and just felt like us against the world. And when that ended, I I was 24. Um, I was like, right, I, I, I don't have anything. I quit my GCSEs before they were finished. I didn't come out of school with anything because we were just taking the band so seriously. So I said, okay, right, I need to turn my... I need to do something. I need to go on the roundabout of life and work out what I'm going to do. So I randomly, I don't know why, but I thought I'll go and do a history degree at the Open University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you> t- like <laughs> I know, I know. I had this kind of image. I think I was obsessed with Band of Brothers at the time. And I had this image of um, really romantic image of being a film researcher. So I was like, oh, OK, I'm going to do history. And they say, do the course in six years because you are part-time and you work on the side. But I decided to do it in three years, like a regular uni, and just I was working at Pizza Express as a waiter, pay my way through it. And I was working in Pizza Express with a young photographer, a gay rights photographer called Bradley Secker. And I just said, look, I'm, you know, I'm around I'm not doing anything in the days, the band thing's gone. I'm I'm doing my degree, of course, I'm working here in Pizza Express. But if you ever need any ha- any help with a bit of logistics or production or anything like this, um, let me know. And he did. He said, Oh, come on then, you can come and help me. He, at the time he was working on these projects where this is pre-Syrian war. So we're talking to- talking 2010. Um, he was going into Syria and meeting Gay Iraqi refugees and then documenting their experiences, taking uh, photographs of them. And I just wanted to help him just as a friend. And during that, seeing him use the 7D, seeing the image that he could create off this little camera that he was doing himself, I was just completely inspired. And I was completely inspired by his enthusiasm for it. And then at the same time, Tim, who is one of my good friends and was in the band he was a bass player in the band he'd gone off to uni to do a film course and I was seeing his student films and thinking I could do that or not I could do that in an arrogant way but I would like to do that I would like to be part of that I feel I think you know right you can see it in your mind's eye how to get an image from somewhere out there into the camera and just felt it so combining those two things I just I asked my uh girlfriend who's now my wife at the time can you lend me some money to <laughs> buy a, a 60D camera so I think 450 quid later and a Sigma lens I had a had this little setup and just started making films started making I was really into cycling at the time and sport and I just started making little documentaries about people I knew in the area um and that was that really, I just, I just loved it.
1: And then is that, I guess, is that when you made um, um, Experiments in Speed? mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, from from that, and is that someone you knew?
0: Yeah, so we had made four or five little films by that point, like promos for local shops. I was just, the truth is, like, I wasn't born with a camera in my hand. I was born with a guitar in my hand. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a musician I was very much a punk kid, like, fuck everybody else, just do what I want to do. And suddenly I could get paid to make things. And like, we're talking, okay, you get 500 quid here or 200 quid here or something. I was like, fucking hell, somebody's going to pay me to make this stuff. And through that, and with that time, um, or the timing of that kind of 5D, 7D thing, A friend of a friend, Tom, Don Hugh, who was making bespoke bicycles at the time, wanted to do some PR for his company. So I was like, well, I'll I'll help you. Let's let's think outside the box. You know, there's a million of these maker videos on Vimeo. You know, everybody's done it with a welding shot and this, that, and the other. So let's think of an idea. And he said, well, I've got this idea where I'd like to go 100 miles an hour on a bike that I've made behind my ford zephyr i want to keep it really diy keep the team really small do it as a family project and we'll make a film about it i was like of course i'll make a film about it so we just documented it as it went through you know this this pivotal parts of the story i wasn't gonna be there all the time but okay you're making the shed to go on the back of the zephyr we'll document that okay you're drawing up the plans for the bike we'll document that oh yeah okay cool there's a hundred and tooth to 102 tooth uh, ring that he, he needs to put on the bike because he wanted to be fixed gear we'll go down to Bournemouth and meet those guys so just had a story-minded eye on what I needed to capture and then of course the event itself where you rent out the run right, runway and he tries to get to 100 miles an hour and we just shot it didn't think anything of it it took about four months to, to get the edit, edit together because it just lay on a hard drive while I was trying to still find some money to live and uh, Tim and I got together we edited it Tim did an amazing job. Um, <laughs> I'll never, ever forget this moment. I Myself and Adam Williams, a good friend of mine, we were going in to do a corporate film shoot in the morning, pressed upload on the video. It's not thinking anything, nothing about this. We're just going to put this online see what happens. We came out of the video shoot, had had our phones off in a day, and the phones were just going Nuts! We'd been picked up by all the news, all the major news. Like I'm talking, it was on the front cover of the Guardian's website, the Times. I mean, Mashable made a newspaper, um, sorry, a news reel about this, where they were presenting about this guy going, a hun- trying to attempt hundred miles an hour. It just lit up. It had a million hits within a week. I mean, this is the days when it truly still went a nine and a half minute film went viral, right? And I've never felt. Anything like it in my life. Like this thing that we did purely for the love really touched people and just went everywhere. And suddenly you have this lightning bolt of confidence that what you're doing might resonate or might be original, or there might be some value in doing what you're doing, and it's not just a job. So. Long-winded long winded way of um, giving you my intro, but I think it kind of makes sense.
2: Cut to the film getting a Vimeo staff pick, and me being alone in my barn on the farm up north, press play, and it was that film that inspired me... No way. ...to start doing docs. Oh, crazy! That's Craig. fucking mental. Craig, crazy, that, isn't
0: that it? That's mad, isn't it? When we used to play gigs as a band, and there was two people that turned up we used to have this sound engineer that would say to us, doesn't matter how many people are in the room, play like you mean it. Like, play for those two people. Just There might be 2,000 people here, there might be one person. It doesn't matter. You still have to play and mean it. And that, as a filmmaker, is part of what we do. We make these films, we put our all into it, and you put it out there and people see it. And it res- can resonate, maybe it doesn't resonate, and you never know. So it's really nice to hear that and really kind of it's a it that's the sort of um it's the sort of outcome that keeps inspiring you to want to make more work i think
1: have you um when was the last time you watched it
0: oh i don't know you know I, I, I just always one of
1: them things you know when you go back sometimes i just have one of the moments where i'm a bit bored and i'll just go back and what? Oh, if I'm feeling a bit down, mm. you know. And then it's it's sometimes quite nice to go back and go like, well, where was my mindset? Because mm. I always feel when I look back at old work, I can really feel how I felt when I made it. All mm. mm. like listening to music, the of the music videos I did, and it puts a lot of things in, into perspective. Being like, well, what about if like 19 year old you saw that and and saw where mm. you are now, and you know, because obviously we go through ups and downs as directors, but it's sometimes nice to just like. You know, reflect and go like, well, no, you're doing all right. Everything's fine. Just keep going. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm ten years in now. Well, you say that, Ozzy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> from from buying the the camera and doing my degree to now is ten years, and what I recognise in young directors that I had then that I need to keep tapping into is a healthy dose of naivety, and the lack of cynicism that comes with experience and comes with age and boundaries that we put on ourselves, they can be good in certain respects, but they can also constrict you and constrict your creativity and your expression because you tell yourself that you can't do it. Whereas 10 years ago, when you're making, or whenever nine, eight years ago when we were making experiments in speed, Nobody's telling me that I can't do that. That's just what, and why am I doing it? I'm not doing it to getting a Vimeo staff pick. I'm not doing it for fame. I'm not doing it for a million hits or whatever those reasons are. I'm doing it because I fucking love it because I love Tom and I love what he's about and I love the story and I love holding the camera and the rest of it doesn't matter. Like I've not, I've not really, for the most part of my career, I've not been that cynical you know, I've not been that strategic. I've followed my heart, followed my gut. Did we just there jump we off it. the deep end? <laughs> no, no. I
1: like that. It's a really good start. I mean, it gets me all. It gets it gets me pumped, to be honest. Yeah, me too. You know,
0: we have to keep. We have to keep fucking making work. Yeah. like there's not ads.
1: Yeah, which I, we, which you do forget though. I always, like I was in a, a pit of forgetting that mm. and thinking, oh, where's the next job? But it's like, well, I've got to. I've got to, well, what stories do I want to tell and why did I make them? You know, and then that keeps, then doing that, then that keeps me going. I mean, you're really good at it, Craig.
2: I mean, I think the dangerous thing is, is wanting to make something, you know, is, is wanting to make something for yourself, but then having to bend and think, well, can this be seen in a commercial, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. landscape as well? Yeah. Do you know, I, I hate bowing. I hate kind of bending to that. I and, just
0: met with somebody last week. He, he made this point. It's not for the real I love it. I love yeah. that sentiment. It's not for the real. It doesn't need to be for the real. Yeah. Because the real written within that statement is like a capitalist sen- sentiment. It's this will sell. This will sell me. I will get work. Money will be exchanged because it's for the real. Do you know what I mean? That's a sales piece. Whereas Experiments in Speed, I don't care whether it goes on the real. I just wanted to make a film all I wanted to do was put that film up in Look Mum No Hands on the launch night and stand there and watch it and watch the people and go, do they like it? Great, that's it. So I think, and again, I've been, um, I have done this myself where you manipulate situations for it to go onto your reel. And I don't know whether it's the healthiest thing as a filmmaker. So there's there's a whole load of, we could unpack, depends on how
1: deep you want to go into that. But, well, I always see the like, not on the real is when I say that, I, I say, I recognize that term in terms of like a negative thing. Like it's not on the real meaning it's, it's not for people to mm-hmm. see, but it's for, mm-hmm. it's to sell me. That's mm-hmm. what, so I'm, I'm using it as the opposite thing mm-hmm. where like, I'll do it, but it's not for the real. That's for uh, internal use to get me over the work mm-hmm. for the real for me is things I I'd want to put out because, you know,
0: but you're still using money in there as the dictator of where you want your work to go. Yeah. And that's fair enough. Like if 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 that's what you want to do, that's fair enough, but there's two separate pieces of work for mm. me. There's like the artistic work and then there's the professional work which can still be artistic, can still be creative, can still be fulfilling, but they're different. Mm. For me they're different. They really are. Like I have to say, I'm a big fan of yours, Craig, and your discipline of getting out there. And I've always said that to you, just making stuff. And it's testing, because you have to, on one hand, have the ego to do it. But on the other hand, be willing for that ego to not exist, because you're putting your vulnerabilities out there in the world. And that's fucking hard and scary. And I think anybody that does that, will be successful. May not happen immediately. It may not happen in the midterm, but it will happen. You will get paid at some point to make your film or you will make whatever whatever you want will come
2: out of the end of that. It's interesting making shorts because I have definitely made a lot. And I fucking love, you know, making the you know, working on my own projects. That's where I, I learn the most. I guess people have a fear of making a short and thinking, shit, everyone's gonna judge me on this shot mm. or everyone's gonna look at it and measure me up.
0: Yeah, what, why are you doing it? Like, I think that that is the question that needs to come back to any director. Like what why? I mm. just
2: do it to show it to my mates.
0: You but have... it's a vulnerable still a vulnerable Massive, yeah. place to be, even if your mates are the only ones that you're wanting to see this film. That's mysteriously seriously vulnerable. You've written these words. You've constructed these shots. You've pulled the edit together. You've produced the whole thing. That's still, there's still a vulnerability to that. And I feel when you're willing to be vulnerable like that, that's when you make work that speaks to people. That's the same yeah. with musicians is when you hear their vulnerability and their lyrics and their songwriting, that's the shit that connects with people. This like paint-by-numbers rubbish doesn't connect with people. It might sell... Are we talking about that? That again is splitting the difference between what are you doing it for? You're doing it for money and fame and all of that or are you doing it because you love the work. You know, and the work being the art, the film craft, the the story, you know, that was my thing. I was just always obsessed with story. It's like is the story good enough? And that's where I had this whole the first part of Spindle was um was basically a documentary studio where myself, Stitch and Tim with some other guys, Dickon and Adam and Jenna and Lauren, we, we went around the world making document short two to
1: six-minute documentaries. Did did those small projects, for what you just spoke about, come through Experiments and Speed? Did people then reach out and offer you more things? And then is that how kind of Spindle came about? Mm. Yeah. yeah, so
0: we were doing corporate films. I remember like calling my dad, and I mean, it sounds kind of lame now, but you know I'm from a pretty working class background my dad was in the R.E.F. like it was I didn't really think I was going to do anything proper 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 and I remember getting a call for this we we're doing this film and we got paid a thousand pounds I called my dad I was like fucking made it I've made a thousand pounds on a on a video <laughs> and like that that was so amazing to hit that that point and that was off the back of Experiments and Speed right so somebody locally saw it and got us to make this kind of corporate film and Those types of jobs started uh, coming about. In fact, I got signed by Archer's Mark um, in Shoreditch, actually, funny enough, full circle back down here and did an Adidas project, did a Castrol project with them. And, you know, there was a real learning. uh, There was a real fast, steep learning curve for me personally because I had no idea about the industry whatsoever. None. I had no idea about soho and the agencies and the relationship and i just got pulled into that world very quickly i hadn't done the running thing you know film wasn't an option for me growing up it was you know my it was music um didn't have any filmmakers in the family don't have any artists in the family nothing like that so coming here was interesting put it that way and i made a lot of mistakes really really quickly mistakes that i still live with today you know i i did this adidas project and i sat there with matt felstead who's an editor and again one of my best i've made some of my best friends now through the industry one of my best friends and he sat there and said i'm going to tell you this once you didn't get it you didn't get it in the can you probably can't make the film that you think you're going to want to make So when you're on the set the next time, when your producer goes home, when your art director goes home, when the EP goes home, the DP goes home, everybody goes home and you're left here with me as an editor and you don't have it, you need to think, I need to get it on the set. (laughs) And I just...
1: (laughs) The wise editors, they always know.
0: And I was just like, OK, right. So <laughs> this is really the bolt out of blue to say the director is the ultimate responsibility for what goes down on a set. And from that moment was like, when I'm on a set, I will get and I will seek what I need from that set and from that shoot in the best way I possibly can. So when I get into that edit, i haven't left anything behind. And he's become a real mentor for me now, Matt. Um, you know, he's kind of a generation older but that was really, yeah, really strong. But to get back to your, to get back to your question, I I continued the uh, self-funded projects. So again, I was kind of involved in the cycling thing. I'd done a bunch of cycling films outside. I was, I'm, I used to be really, really into road cycling, and. We did another personal project of a cyclist trying to break a world record from northern France down to southern France and then back again in something like five or six days. And he was just basically not going to sleep, do this. And we made this film. I, I should also precast that and say that he had been given a 5% chance to live two years previously. So he'd come through this whole cancer journey and... We thought, well, let's just do it. Let's self-fund it. You know, what's it gonna cost? A couple of grand. We've got that in the bank. Let's just three of us, me, Dick, and Tristan, get in the van and support it and film with a red camera at the back of it. And again, we put that online a little bit more cynically now. So we're thinking, oh cool, maybe we've seen that the press picked it up last time. Let's rubbing your hands. Yeah, Here exactly. Go. Here we go. <laughs> and <laughs> It did go about a bit, you know, it got like half a million hits and we'd obviously built up a bit of a, you know, people were watching the Vimeo page or whatever it was. And I think it was the Tuesday after we put it out, I think we've been on the Thursday, the New York Times called. So <laughs> we sat in a little office in Norwich, the three of us, and the <laughs> phone goes and, you know, hi, can I speak to Greg Hackett, please? Oh, yeah, yeah it's Greg Hackett answering the phones. Hi, it's Kaylee from the New York Times. Um, I'm an exec- executive producer. We've just started T Brand Studio, where we work with brands to make these documentary pieces. Um, we think you've got the right tone of voice. We've got a project shooting out in Sweden. We've got £70,000 or $70,000. Can, um, can you come and film it with us? And I, the phone came away from my head. I looked at Stitch and Tim and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was like, it's just, I, again like the privilege that I sit here with now, in terms of like the phone calls, and you've got a script and you're going to pre on is so incomparable to where I started this thing from. Incomparable. And night and day, I was so naive and so in awe of this situation that had confronted. And we were like, of course we can. <laughs> So basically hired all my mates, like... T-
1: <laughs> We're on a holiday, come on.
0: <laughs> basically, went <Enough>. on holiday. <laughs> it was a good job that we worked our asses off, and the film was, was good. They all loved it, they still use it in their bloody sales pitches apparently now, and it just set up three years of constant work with The Times. Um,
2: Which, you know, proves the point, there's no reward without investment, mm. you know never ever do i think twice about investing into myself Mm, like mm. that
0: but what does uh, again i speak to speak (laughs) to young directors sometimes an investment needs to be placed in the right area like oh i really want it to look a certain way or the production value needs this or i need this lighting and i often say that why what why you've got an iphone like you can If your idea is good there 's no reason why you can 't go and shoot it on your iphone it 's all just about ideas, and my ideas back then were more around story and they were all documentaries so again, you can say well it 's happening, so you need less production et etc et etc but still we 're so everything is so available to us now it doesn 't cost if you know what you 're doing or you 've got an idea of what you've you 've got to do and you 've got a point of view on that. I would encourage anybody just to start doing it because you never know what 's going to come off the back of it it 's kind of like um it 's like an entrepreneurial mindset it 's like you keep saying yes to enough things shit will happen it will happen stuff will you will have to make stuff you don 't like you 'll be in situations you don 't like, but there will also be things that you love and you will grow in and you will meet people so I think the healthy dose of saying yes is a really good place to start. Um, I agree. Well, you, I mean, you're both doing it. I've just seen your short as well, right? Mm. It's like...
1: And that was, that was literally me, DP, Adrick, uh, and Craig, my brother. There was just four of us driving right. in the van, running around. My brother didn't have a clue what he was doing. <laughs> he was just like, tell me what to do. You know, I'm like, right, sit there. Do it. He wasn't in a good mood. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> we were Smile. doing it. but he didn't didn't fully understand what we were doing you know but, but but so how does that how does that um i guess just bring a bit of context to it <coughs> yeah so i've just done a short film about my brother and um dealing with uh ptsd from being in uh, the war in afghanistan um yeah
2: yeah this is the first time you've really kind of put your money where your mouth is as well isn't it yeah
1: because i've been very scared to do that mm. why um I don't fear. I guess it's, I always think why you're so good at it, Craig, because you've got no fear. I think it's fear for me. I was Mm -hmm. like this fear of failure, which Mm -hmm. I never had. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's come from. Age. Yeah, age. Yeah, yeah. And just being like, if I put money into this and then it's, I don't, I don't think it's good. But then when I did it, I actually was like, I don't actually give a shit if no one doesn't like this. It's made me and my brother closer. And Mm -hmm. I've learned something about him that I never thought I'd learn. And I've learned something about myself and it's been, one of the best experiences ever. Mm. So I'm like... Such a good time as well. Yeah, and now I'm actually putting it out and I actually don't care how well it does Mm. in a way. I'm like, Mm. that's been such an achievement for me, personal achievement, that all the other fears of making it have gone out the window.
0: But that's because, in in my opinion, it's about the process. Mm. uh, It's a cliche to say the whole, you know, it's not getting to the top of the mountain, it's the journey of getting to the top of the mountain. With filmmaking... Then about you, but the bit that I find find fun is all of it up until it's made. I don't find any of the rest of it fun or any of the rest of it rewarding. Like when you first get an award, it's like, oh wow we've we're good enough to get an award, but it doesn't really fulfill you in any meaningful way. You know it's great it's like going to get drunk, it's great for the evening, but it's not you don't get left with anything, whereas the process changes you. The process is where you grow. The process is where you make friends. The process is where you make art. And I often think, you know, you can go hunting for all of that external stuff, the all the validation. But actually, for me, the validation comes from the process and the making. And as if I ever feel down or if I ever feel like I'm not heading in the right place, it's usually because I haven't made something that I believe in for that little bit too long. You know, and I've been lucky this year in that I've been able to make some things that had money attached that i also believe in such as like the law kind of hate video like that for me was a real labor and a a passion to do but it doesn't i'd have done it for well i basically did do it for free i chucked all the money back into the budget you know i think there was a hundred pounds left over out of a ninety pound budget so it's not like we made money out of that but my point being the love and the the reward comes from the process and who stood in, who's stood in your way to get on the process yourself. yourself. Yeah. That's it. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's as much about being a human and learning about yourself and navigating those kind of mental trials and tribulations we all go through, like the insecurities, the the whole piece around that to, bring yourself into that naive space again. And yeah. that's what part of the reason, again, that I love doing Spindle at the moment is because I get to hang out with directors that are 25. I'm mid-30s now, right? So I started when I was 25, 26, 27. And now I get to now hang out with people that are a generation younger that are in that space. Like So hanging out with Milo Blake, right? This kid's got the most pointed point of view I've come across yet. It's not his way of the highway in a negative sense, but he can articulate and he knows exactly what he wants to do. He goes to the shoot, he gets it. And that to me is like, that's really inspiring personally.
2: So what's changed between you starting documentaries and
1: as a director and and you now as a director? Because, I mean, last was the last documentary you made, Tam Tam? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, uh, you know, I think the, com- you know, the, the commercial world has a, has a way of leaning on you as, a, mm-hmm. as an artist. And, you know, I feel like your, your heart started in documentaries, mm-hmm. but it has now moved into more of like a stylized mm-hmm. commercial kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, tone of voice. Do you feel like that's come out of choice or has that come out of the industry saying you need to do this? to
0: continue a career i love documentary it's worth saying that like they're my favorite films and i love making documentary the industry when they see that you're a documentary filmmaker get you to make documentaries with money behind with brands behind which quickly become quite conflicting for me because and it's taken me a while to see it because If a brand is paying for you to make that documentary, is it a documentary anymore or is it an advert? And if it's an advert, well, you know, I've made hundreds of films now. I'm quite experienced with the craft. Why shouldn't I be making things where I can put the craft to good use and not documentaries where I feel like I'm exploiting people for the sake of a brand? It's not always like that. And there are instances when you can do it well. But I felt and I have felt more often than not with documentary in the advertising space, like it's been too conflicted for me to work on. So on the one hand, I would do a documentary. I'd start a documentary tomorrow if I could. We've got some long form documentary projects that we're talking through. And I have started a couple, you know, we got off, we sat there and we got offered to make Experiments in Speed, the full length documentary. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen because of reasons to do with the rider and just not wanting to go there. And then I've started another, I started another documentary with a uh, hip hop artist that just hasn't come to fruition, even though we started shooting it just because the access changed. And that's fine, that, they're those projects. And I have, but as, a, as an artist, I have that want and desire. I've written scripts. I've got feature scripts. I've got short films. I've done Tam Tam. I've you know I've actually got a TV series that's been now been funded to do the um series development. So we're now in scripting phases. We've done uh writers' rooms. So that's happening and as a kind of storyteller I really want to do that. And as a business we really want to be producing that work. But as a professional and as a director in that industry I don't want to make documentaries in that way personally because I just don't unless it's something that really sticks out I don't really believe it so my craft has been evolving and I don't want to stick there that's why I took the Royal Navy jobs to start with because I knew that that would be a a leap from the three to five minute phillips fisherman style doc into short form advertising work and i really enjoy the technical aspects i really enjoy the the blocking and the performance and the editing and the construction of that but i'm in terms of where i want to be in that industry is very much i haven't achieved that yet if you see what i mean i i look at directors like sam brown like he's probably my favourite out of all the directors in in commercials because he's got such a level of craft. He can tell a quick story very, you know, beautifully. His casting's amazing. So they're the places within the advertising and the music video world that I'm interested in. Because again, I didn't come through music videos. I didn't come through being a runner. I came through a little bit of hard work and a lot of happy accidents. But it's just experience now and knowing when to turn certain parts on and when not to
1: i mean our next question i guess was 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 going to be like how do you decide on what projects to do but i feel like you kind of just answered it in a way yeah you know i it, mean this I, again like i own the
0: production company so i sometimes take projects because they pay the bills as well mm-hmm. let's be real like you have to get the balance right and i'm still very i'm so grateful for being able to do a ad for a bank that pays three months of spindles money you know like that's that's
1: really rewarding and then detaching yourself as a director and a company owner as well
0: that's a that's a constant battle yeah and there's real conflict in that as well you know um and you have to be really honest with yourself and everybody that you're working with and alongside about what your wants are. And you have to zoom out and be able to see the bigger picture a lot, which is tiring. You know, I'll sit there at the start of the year and say, if I can get two bits for, for industry on my professional reel, as we talked about earlier on, that's good. You know, I've done that this year. That's that's really cool. Um, I'm happy with that. And it's looking at it year on year in a zoomed out capacity so then it's about quality and it's about directors and it, it, when you break things down they become a little bit more um, achievable i don't know whether that answers your question no, yeah that. it
1: does definitely yeah i
2: think I think there's like um, you know because I think from my point of view as well like there's definitely a sacrifice as a director you make mm. by starting your own company up and putting all your energy into it and mm. leaving nothing for yourself mm. so it's important to find balance
0: I keep coming back down to the why of Why bother having a production company? Why do that? You know, if it's going to be completely conflicting for me, I'm not going to do it. And it's not conflicting all of the time. Sometimes it is. And there are conversations I have with the other, like, leadership people in the business. And that's, you have to be a grown-up to talk about those things. But if what you've set out to do is achieving what you wanted to do, then the why is answered, you know? And for us, it's like we wanted to make great work. We wanted to um, do it nicely. You know, this industry is kind of toxic in places and we don't want to be part of that. We don't want to work with toxic people. We have a value that is artists, not assholes. You know, we don't want to work with people that are idiots because it's tiring and life's too short. So it's... If those things are being covered, if the work's good and, you know, we're doing it in a nice way, I'm happy.
1: Really. And then I guess from that then, because you're now at a point where you've signed quite a few directors. Mm -hmm. Is that when you, when you first meet them, do you express the ethos, I guess, of Spindle? hundred percent. And, you know, you're saying about young directors coming in. And I guess you're at a point now where you can give them quite good advice, Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Um... (laughs) and almost harness them and like allow them to grow, which I know you've been doing really, really well at Spindle. Um, Cause how do you go about that in, in nurturing new talent?
0: I mean, the whole, the whole business plan is new talent.
1: Really? Um, yeah.
0: There will be signings that are existing talent and great talent, et cetera. But there's so much reward on a personal level that comes from seeing somebody get their first shot with you and grow and make money and achieve the things that they want to achieve and learn the things they want to learn and grow as a human and as a director, et cetera. So that on a personal level is a real driver for everybody that works in the business. Um, we do thoroughly vet the directors. It sounds really weird to say it like that, but we we meet them. I was telling you before off, off, offline that you know, as a director we met five times. Because it's not just about signing a name. It's about coming into the culture. It's coming into like our little world that we've set up. And we have, but we're from outside the industry. We don't, for me, Stitch and Tim, we don't actually live in London. So we commute into London three days a week. We don't have that industry lifestyle. And it means that we don't want to play the game in the same way as other people play it. I've also had experiences at other companies like in the US and in the UK, wherever I've been signed, where it's not been that constructive. You know, naively, I went into those production companies and wanted to learn about filmmaking. I wanted to know what, I didn't know what gaffer was. Like, I didn't really know what the difference with a DP and a director was. I mean, yeah, you could say, well, that's on you. You need to Google it. You need to read your books, et cetera. I just hadn't, right? I just hadn't. And I DP'd every, everything up until the Royal Navy. I DP'd everything myself. I didn't light anything, but I shot it. <laughs> I was terrified of lighting. So now, with the experience that we've had, we can talk to young directors in a way that is both empathetic and... Um, experience driven and I hope I feel like that's having a meaningful impact on them some have a faster growth than others because that's just the way it works and there's a lot to do with timing and you know what just happens like you can have a music video with a track that just does it right or you can have an amazing video that you put out and just people don't see still an amazing video. just people don't see it. So there's a bit of a timing piece, but the whole thing is set up to be, um, a s- safe place for growing as a, as a director. And, you know, we're not getting it right all the time. It's a, it's a journey and it's learning and you have to be humble and you have to be able to listen, but there are directors I think it's really working for. Um, and then finally, like how I think you asked um, is it how you find was it how you find directors
1: oh, it was more, more about how you, how you nurture them, really yeah like, okay, again, okay. finding I mean yeah I'm sure people would be interested in that.
0: Mm. I mean we we just scout all the time. We're always watching everything. Um, you have to, right? If you want to grow a business around new directing talent, you need to be watching stuff from all the regular places, but also trying to go to places outside of the norm so you know degree shows or like a comedy uh, film festival or whatever those things are Um, and we're just looking for a point of view I think and again I didn't come through with that my point of view was like I've got a camera in my backpack let's go and story was my point of view but now with you know transitioning directors into music videos and advertising you're looking for an aesthetically driven or a storytelling whatever that is but a strong point of view That's, that's what we're looking for um,
1: yeah. Greg Hackett's next steps. You kind of brushed on it though, really, when yeah, you were saying about the TV shows uh going into a bit more of a long form type of thing. I feel like we we, we touched on that quite well. Mm.
2: Yeah. Is that the uh, is that the
1: end goal for you? Is um. I I mean, is that growing that through spindle as well? Yeah. Like um, development, I guess, of of long form.
0: It's it's in a way it's a full circle. It's it's like we started trying to make or making things that we loved and we want to finish making things that we loved and we don't have any investors don't have any rich daddies. There's like, it's our money. It's the money that we've earned has always built the company and it's going to take a sec to do that. And we are funding things. You know, we funded Molly to make a short up in Yorkshire this year, which she's going to continue to film, early next year we funded Daniel Lund to make a short um, like a basically an English version of his People in Cars piece which I don't know whether you've seen we're funding other little things with Milo Blake that he's he's writing at the moment so there's, there's we take the money and we put it into the creative as well it's the same as music videos we so really make any money on music videos we just fund that because we know that that is a place to grow as young directors that's what you have to do so so um, The future plan is, of course, to be making like relevant, great work, like original work, features, documentaries, TV series. We're not there yet. Um, We're starting and we've we've massively got that ambition, but we're going through advertising and we're growing the directors in that and we're getting experience and in music videos um, and we'll see. We'll see.
1: I I feel pretty
0: excited about that. It's hard. But every, you know,
1: it's like you were saying, it's working with like-minded, nice people and every time we've come and I've met some people in Spindle, it's just like, really felt welcoming Mm and I don't know, just a a nice family environment, which is what it should be most Mm of the time, you know. Well, what are we driven
0: by? It comes down to that. We are not really driven by money. It's fine if that's who you are. It's not What I've personally been driven by. I'm driven by the work, I'm driven by the experience of being in the process. And I'm driven by people. I really love working in a team. That comes from, I think, not to quite overanalyze it, but I think it comes from my time in the band where we were working as a group and, you know, stamping CDs and self-screen printing T-shirts and selling them and running afloat in the back of the truck. You know, the whole thing comes... I love that team element. I love people. I'm not... I'm competitive in an individual sense, but I'm not competitive with others necessarily. So I just want to be involved with that and that is quite fulfilling um so whatever that is and whatever that turns into let's just keep doing it basically and uh, any advice for any up-and-coming directors out there it's finding a way to use what you have at your disposal to make what you want to make You've just, both of you have just done it, right? You've done that with Ironstone. I'm sure it costs some money, but I'm sure there's other things that you've done that haven't cost, experiments and speed didn't cost me any money to make. It was just my time. And it was
1: just the the 400 pounds for my 60D. That was it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You just cast, you know, my brother, Craig, and just threw him in it, and had your dad in the tractor. Do you know I, what I mean? Did, dad were really good in the tractor, to be fair. Um, you know, no, but I mean, the, the thing is,
2: when you're starting out... Um, you know earlier you were talking about looking back at your work and stuff like that i'd look back at mine and i'm like fucking hell i used to just make loads of shit Mm -hmm. um very fulfilling and i used to just like you know make it and and get it out there the further i've kind of come along like i just can't do that anymore that's the frustrating thing for me what can't you do well The further down the line you get, things (laughs) start costing money just because the bar has been raised.
1: Yeah, I was about to say that. It's because you're... You know, also
2: you want to shoot on 16mm, put your hand in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. Like, the way I make things now, it has more of a purpose. It's less of an Mm. experiment and it's more of a purpose to kind of connect with my audience. You know, money money gets involved. I've got to pay for the hotels and the food Mm. and i gotta get people excited about it when i'm a solo man doing things yeah make whatever i want free but as soon as i suddenly want to make things that involve other collaborators Mm. i gotta be the vehicle to drive that Mm. unfortunately people also need to pay the bills
0: my my advice would be to not get lost in the production value it's a trick
2: yeah yeah i had this conversation the other day someone said um what where does your money go my money now goes on cast and the lighting and the props is a little bit secondary depending on what I'm doing. But I'm like, I put the money in front of the camera because that's where my focus is at the minute is working with actors and working with people mm. and drawing emotion. It's I also
0: relative to your level though, right? You're at a level where you have a company, you have some money, so you can invest, even if it's pushing your limits of what you want to invest, Is still investing a little bit of money into that. But you're still writing in a way that, Plays within its boundaries. Ironstone is shot in blue hour, so you don't need any lighting. No. It's shot on uh, the Alexa, so you don't need any film. But yeah. shooting in the blue hour makes it look like it's shot on film. Yeah. You know, it's a one shot, so you don't need any edit. It's y- you know, you've written that idea. Not to say you've done it cynically, well, but yes. you've written within your your constraints of what you have, and you've probably pushed your money to the point of where you can push it. And that's all I'm saying. It's like on our different levels, whether you're starting out and all you have is an iPhone and an idea or a whatever and a 5D and an idea, or you go all the way through to when you're established and you have money in the bank and you can make it. It's just the will to keep doing stuff. It's so easy to sit there and go, oh, production company, um, when are you going to send me a script? <laughs> you know, that's, that's just not the point. It's not the point. You know, any advert you get, in my opinion, should, he kind of like celebrated. It's like, wow, somebody's going to pay me money to go to Mallorca twice. they going to pay me money to do that. Wow, that's brilliant. Mm. So this this stuff is um is as much about generating momentum, learning lessons, getting experience. It's in a way less about the execution or what it looks like, and that's why it comes down to um, what the idea is you know good ideas shouldn't need production value so so there was this saying in when we used to do the band stuff it's like you you'd always know a crap band because they'd bring all the lights in they'd have an arctic lorry full of lights and they'd wow the crowd through all of the production design whereas you could get the best bands in the world that would stand on stage with like i don't know one color red backlight or whatever it is and blow you away because their material and their stage presence and all of those elements came together to like you know blast you away and there's something that relates to film in that in that, you know we can shoot on oh now i want to shoot on the alexa 35 or i want to shoot on 35 mil i want to use anamorphics if the writing's bad if the acting's bad it's still bad you can put all of that production value on it and it doesn't make it better So if we know that, you could create your short film and shoot it on an iPhone. And if the writing is good, if the performances are good, none of of it else matters. And to get to where you want to get to in terms of somebody, I don't know, a producer sees it and goes, you know what, Craig, he can direct. They're not looking at the 35 mil or the grade because they're looking at the grader or the DP and thinking, oh, the DP is good. They're looking at you as a performance director or a writing director or whatever those things are. So this whole world of aesthetically driven production value, just be aware you can get caught up in it. That would be my advice.
2: Yeah, 100%. I also have a little tiny bit of disagreement just because the aesthetic side is what I fucking love you know it's just one it's a big part of my you know the mm. camera is a big tool in, in my way of storytelling so I, I totally get where you're coming from with that mm-hmm. same time I'm not gonna of course you wanted to look nice
0: I'm yeah, not him, you know, know. I mean,
1: but I agree with you when you say it depends what you're saying you know I made a film in lockdown where I just did interviews with people on a, exactly. my computer yeah yeah and dude that's the that's the film of yours that's made me cry uh, yeah like I had tears
0: in my eyes when I watched that and it's you know it's zoom yeah they didn't that, know they were being recorded uh, though. <laughs> until the
2: end. But, but It comes back to what it, what, what it is. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I'm not saying, to, to completely clarify, that the aesthetic isn't important. No. I have literally taken master, an- master Anamorphics on a bloody boat. <laughs> like, I get it. I love things. I shoot most of my stuff in bloody dusk and dawn and the crew hate me. I, I get it. But it's just, it's a particular it's, point not. for when you're starting out. To yeah. not have excuses because there's a lot of directors are like, I can't do that because I just don't have the yeah. material. It's like, well, just change your material.
2: Strip it back and just focus on what it is yeah. you're trying to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And your work is great for that aesthetically driven piece. Like Ironstone, there's not only a there's not only a great idea. Like from a directing point of view, I, I saw it and was blown away because you really get the constraints you're working within. And you're maximising everything that you can do within those constraints, but it also looks great. Yeah. You know, you've got a great DP to shoot it. Like Adric, you know, you won a Palm Door at Cannes for his short film. He's, he's a brilliant DP. The camera movement's great. The blocking's great. There's there's considerations that I look as a as a director. I'm like, yeah, cool. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. The bits that don't cost money,
1: concentrate on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, y- y- your hole was going to cost you loads of money if you're going to shoot it in London. So <laughs> then you went up north and just dug just <laughs> it in back w- out and
2: <laughs> <laughs> The shit thing about London is that everything you shoot in London is always, is always going to cost you money. And there's something really nice about going back home to Yorkshire where I talk to my mum and dad about an idea or talk to my friends about it. And it's going to cost me no money because everyone wants to get involved. Mm. So this hole was going to cost me three grand. <laughs> I only had three grand in fucking budget. <laughs> Look um, at what you shot for
0: three grand though.
2: Yeah. Well, it's... No, it cost me more, a lot more than that. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Forget that then. It started at three grand.
2: <laughs> um, but, so anyway, this whole was going to cost me three grand. Um, you know, not had a job in for two or three months or whatever mm. and uh, rang my mum and dad up and they were like, oh, well, you know, actually... <laughs> We might be putting down a horse. So, you, do you, want to, you could maybe dig the hole on the farm. And I were like, <laughs> my dad's friend called Big Shane rocked up on his digger. He only wanted 100 Goodness quid me. cash in hand. And I we're like,
1: Big <laughs> Come on, Big Shane, dig that hole. It, ain't, ain't it
2: amazing that sometimes like London is, uh, London can restrict you mm. a lot as a filmmaker? And it's important to, <laughs> to get outside the M25 and just. Definitely. Um, well, yeah. that's
0: where we come from, right? Yeah. So,
2: we have got
0: that punk spirit within the productions that we do and again that can be a point of conflict sometimes because i want to take the camera at lunchtime and just go off with a dp and shoot five other little things and it's considered bad form to do that and you should lunch with the agency or this that and the other so there are points of conflict with that but that as I think again we're sort of saying the same thing we're use what you have at your disposal so it doesn't stop you doing what you want to do. You know, you couldn't do it on the inside of the M25, so you looked at where you could do it, that you could afford to. It's at your folks' garden. So you went to your folks' garden, it didn't cost you any money. So nothing stood within your way with making that thing. Same for you, Aussie. Like, mm. This is so inspiring to see you, like, get on that again.
1: And like, yeah, felt good.
0: You know, it's been a, been a bit of a journey, right?
1: Mm, massively. And then again, going up north and shooting it in... You know, local spaces, my brother's gym, his friend owns it, mm-hmm. you know, made a studio in his living room, mm-hmm. which he wasn't particularly happy about, but it's fine. I fucking love that though. It's like, uh, you know,
2: me, you, Adric, your brother, yeah. a camera. 40 degree heat. It was like the hottest day of the year. <laughs> yeah, but no, this, you know, but he, made, he, he wants to grab the shot at sunrise. Of course we do. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm yeah. cycling from my farm into Pontefract <laughs> at three in the morning, <laughs> and I'm just cycling there, thinking, it's amazing. This, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> the amazing. thing is though, Craig. That's what I
0: mean by saying about the process. Like I've got so many of those stories of being on the road with your crew or your friends or whoever it is, and that's the stuff that's when it's all said and done. Like I'll still remember the things I did with the Royal Navy. Whether you like them as films or you don't, it doesn't matter. Like whether I kind of whether they're on your reel or they're not on your reel. Again, that's for me. It's by the by, it's that I made great fans in Adric, in Tom, in John. We went in helicopters. We went on ribs. We had a great time, and that's what will stick with me. I'll remember that till I was until I'm probably a granddad, you know, and that's the process that's the three o'clock in the morning riding to Aussie, laughing thinking like what the hell are we doing and that's the stuff that doesn't cost any money <laughs> better <again>. look good <laughs>
1: better, yeah, better look good exactly <laughs> well, I'm getting my brother running
0: what do you uh, out of interest what do you want to do Aussie? like what's you've gone from partisan to um now freelance and you've been working a lot you're now making your own stuff yeah
1: it's given me the bug to just to make my own stuff now. Now I've got like this other script I want to start get going because it is literally mm. just two people in a room, in a bedroom. So I want to Great. get that going. I've been talking about that for a long time now. But that's the next thing. And then at the moment, I'm like trying to just be like, I think I was thinking too much of the bigger picture mm. and getting lost in it. Mm. And, and I've kind of just come back and go, now, well, what do I want to make? Mm. And then making that and then whatever happens with that, whatever it happens, mm. you know, I'm kind of just enjoying the time making stuff at the moment. And it's been fun. And I'm like, you know. A lot of it has, to, especially
0: the artistic side of it, can't be thought through in the big picture way. Can't be zoomed out because it gets really cynical really quickly. You have to allow yourself to get into the instinct mode and go, what is it? Like, mm. do I, you know, what do I feel here? What What's exciting? And just go for it. Otherwise, you just end up making... I, I've done the same. I've been in, like, big picture mode and made things that I thought were going to do me this or get me... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like, with that... art, Like, Tam Tam, that was just... I just saw an article on The Guardian and I was so touched by the article. Was just And aesthetically, to your point, Craig, I was like, well, it's basketball, so action. I've got to go make this thing, you know? And then three or four calls later with the photojournalist you're out there making this thing so you've got to follow that instinct and that inspiration um
1: on your artistic yeah. path for sure I've, I've I've just been less concentrated on like what families i want to be with or whatever and just concentrate mm. on, on the work again which mm. has been really refreshing because that's yeah. why how i got to where i was anyway exactly so we'll see what goes on you know mm. Be a magnet, that's what Craig always says to me. Be a magnet. Yeah. Be a, what does that mean? Let, let people be drawn to you. Don't go, don't go seeking. Mm. That, that was the main thing. Like, I, I think I was at a point where I was a bit lost and I wasn't feeling creatively inspired and I was, and I was trying to drag people to me but I didn't have mm. nothing to be, for them to be dragged towards. So mm. now I'm like, ignore that, stick to what you wanted to do, make okay. your shit and let people be brought, let them be drawn to you. And then that's why we, you know, we'll do this screening and hopefully mate, people sat down in a cinema watching you work. Yeah. Class. That's what we do. Enjoying yeah. it, having a good night. We all yeah, your mates. Yeah. This, this,
2: this. I'll send you an invite. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, mate. I
0: really enjoy the last one, it's great. Yeah, good crack, wasn't it? Yeah. But that is the that's the kind of moral of this episode, I guess, mm. isn't it? Is like
1: follow your heart. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's gonna be the uh,
1: podcast title. Follow your heart. Follow your heart.
2: Yeah. Are you two still living together? Yeah.
0: yeah. Are you? But it's,
1: it's going to be end of an era in um, April. It sure is. Oh no. <sighs> I really did all follow that
0: bromance f- during lockdown. It was great. I was kind of jealous, to be honest. Yeah.
2: Fucking <laughs> yeah. great time that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, but all we do is fucking watch films. <laughs> and fucking, that's all we do is talk. I can't lift, believe you never directed you. anything together. Yeah. I said this to Craig yeah, before. It's like. What we actually think we'd be a really good creative duo, actually. Yeah, I think we've so. Said, we've
1: said this. I mean, it, the first proper time, I guess, was... Wait, when was it? I mean, even you coming in and helping with my film with my brother felt yeah. so mm. good. Yeah. And, you know, to the point where before the shoot, I was like... Because I had a rough shot list in my head, but I didn't want to, you know... Out, I didn't want to plan it too much. I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to have this organic. And then, Craig i i got a bit panicky then the night before i was like fuck i'm gonna fuck this up you know i got four rolls of film i need to figure this out Mm. and then craig sat with me and like right what do you need let's make a list of things you need and it was a really good like just like almost mentorship or guidership, yeah 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 Yeah. and then the next day and then you know we had two half day shoots and they were just
0: and that's that's rewarding in itself right it's like i i've played that role with some of the directors here um and that's really rewarding on a personal level to see them, like Molly, with, have a word, right? Each seeing her create that piece was, you know, Tim edits most of her work. He's one of the partners here. We've got an editor. And it's really rewarding, really, really, really rewarding to be part of that as a as a player in the team and not the leader of the team. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a lot love, to be
2: said about love, that. Love it. I'd love to exact more stuff. Um, just oversee it and just mm. kind of like yeah mm. help yeah. guide it a little yeah
1: because I value your opinion it's all about respect and mm. I, I respect your opinion that's why I don't mind you know and get nervous showing you things Yeah, and yeah. vice versa yeah know.
2: yeah me too mm. yeah, yeah i just sent him this script I'm like oh fucking hell he, se- him it. he then sent then re- me it
1: once <laughs> and then he texted me like, don't read it actually <laughs> and then and then I was like alright I deleted the email and then, he's, and then he sent me it again mm. and then this morning he went actually don't read it <laughs> it's just the it's just the longer one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I don't I fucking the can I read it
2: that's but it though the Craig is it's the it... exercise of sending people it's so well it's yeah like you said earlier it's fucking being vulnerable and mm-hmm. um, but the exercise the one thing I've learned from the exercise is that as soon as you send it I then reread it with, with a fresh pair of eyes it's incredible isn't it
0: yeah, that it's
1: thing? like and showing then, someone an edit isn't it you've been stuck there you put someone in front of you to watch an edit and you go oh shit and you
0: learn over time when to use that to your advantage because you will never get to see the edit for the first time more than once and that is the the feeling that you have and then even when you see it for the first time because you've got all the knowledge of the the shoot and the pre-production and the arguments or the conflicts or the cast you didn't get or the location that was better that they didn't sign all of these things goes into your first view of watching the edit and even then you can't be impartial mm. so to have kind of safe nets around you that can be honest and can say this doesn't work over here or this is really good or oh, god i'm crying like this is amazing that's really really important and again as as film as directors I think particularly in this industry, we can be pushed away a little bit by production companies and they don't want don't always want to have the hard conversations. But we need hard conversations. Yeah. We need people we can trust. I have that in Stitch. I have that in Tim and Lou and M and I'll show them work and they're like, I don't, don't think it's got it. You know, great. Okay, I want to know that. I want to know that you don't think it's got it. I can still have my point point of view, or you show them and they cry, and you're like, okay, cool. I'm doing something, doing something right here. Yeah, yeah. I guess using those people that you have at your you know on speed dial or disposal that can give you some real talk. Yeah. right Yeah. And and especially with writing because you know that. It's an editor's game. It's structure and it's editing. It's like you know you're going to write it out and it's going to be rubbish, and then you're going to edit it a million times until it has something that it's saying or it's making you feel. And quite often or not, you need those people like your girlfriend, your wife, or whoever your trusted person that can go, "No, this isn't there." It isn't just about, you know just making the film it's going to live somewhere and it's going to have that impression to come back to the stage analogy from earlier it's like you want the viewer to enjoy it yeah you know or to say something to have a comment or you know
2: cool well thank you for coming on the show is it a show (laughs) feels like one and um until next time thanks for having me pleasure all right see you
1: soon Bye. bye